0: welcome to another podcast of fix my project chaos my name is elise stevens and today i have the fabulous ali poland from break the frame talking about the five myths about personal development everyone should know hello ali Hi, Elise. Thanks so much for having me today. No, thank you. Break the Frame is such a great source of information about different things about yourself and undertaking personal growth. So it's fantastic to have this opportunity to talk to you about personal development. Excellent. Thanks. So, Ali, in your great post about five myths about personal developments, I thought that you debunked a whole lot of personal myths about how suddenly you get to an end point or that it all just magically happens and it doesn't <laughs> right so perhaps you could walk us through the five myths of personal development because I thought that they resonated with me and I think that they're going to resonate with the audience as well yeah absolutely I'm happy
1: to you know because I think everyone or not everyone but I imagine many of your listeners are really committed to personal growth and development and consistently in my coaching practice, I come to, people come to me with frustrations and assumptions I think are reflected in these five myths. So the first myth is really that there's a finish line. And I think with any sort of personal growth uh, or personal development that you take on, there really is no end point. If you stop learning and you stop growing, that's the end for you, but that really doesn't have to be where it ends. And so it's a willingness to sort of take on long-term growth and development um, once you undertake personal development. The second myth is that that a little jolt of inspiration is somehow going to equal long-term change. I think you've probably read a book or gone to a conference or attended a networking event and have left thinking, that was awesome. I'm going to use all these new things that I've learned and integrate them into everything that I do. And you feel great about it for like, you know, two and a half days when you just forget about it and fall back into your routine. So inspiration is not long-term change. The third myth is that there's some kind of a competition for self-actualization. I think anyone who's on Facebook these days sees about a trillion inspirational quotes and everyone's doing something. And it can feel like, a lot of pressure that you should be doing something too you should be masterful at yoga you should practice mindfulness you should be able to you know recite the alphabet backwards upside down standing on your head or whatever that is and there is no competition your growth and development and what you need to be doing really doesn't need to look anything like your neighbors the fourth myth is that habits once formed stick around forever So I don't know about you, but I um seem to start stop and start with habits a lot. I know that there's all kinds of statistics out there about what it takes and how many days in a row you have to do something to get a habit to stick, but it's really a daily choice. So I could exercise 30 days in a row, 60 days in a row, but unless I still consistently make that choice to get up and go to the gym, I'm not gonna go to the gym. It's still a choice. And I think we all need to sort of remember that. And the fifth myth is that if you're not changing, you're falling behind. Everyone loves to talk about the status quo, leaving the status quo behind in your comfort zone and how you need to make sure that you're getting out of your comfort zone 24 seven. And the bottom line is, is that everyone takes their own time to assimilate change. And that until you go through that change assimilation process, you really don't have room in your, your life and your leadership to assimilate more. And then you need to give yourself the space to create changes that are sticky. That's a really quick synopsis of those five big personal development myths that I've encountered over and over.
0: I think they're pretty spot on because especially that there's a finish line, it's like exercise programs, isn't it? Mm. There is no finish line. You don't, suddenly become I'm fit and you stay that way (laughs) right right oh I'm done I don't ever have to go
1: to the gym again awesome right (laughs) no that's not the way it works
0: but that's the same with your own personal development
1: Mm. whether it
0: be for your career or for your sewing in my case it's always a the journey (laughs) Mm. The other word, use the journey. I think that it's important. And I think that we beat ourselves up a lot too, don't you? I do. I do because I think that particularly in
1: today's day and age where social media is so, it's everywhere, right? It's a part of all of our lives, whether it's through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Pinterest, whatever somebody is using. And you see everyone putting out there these amazing things that they're doing. And you think I should be able to do that. I need to be able to do that too. Oh, look, John just got promoted to vice president. Why am I still a manager? Oh, look, this person's taking on a new certification. I need to be doing more. And I think that the pressures are just constant because that's what people are showing the world in the social space. And so that personal development pressure that we put on ourselves, I think it's been increased in the past, you know, five plus years.
0: And I think it's hard to probably separate the noise about, oh, you know, bloody blah doing, you know, X, Y, Z, they're training for a marathon, they're fasting every day, they're <laughs> doing this, they're doing that. When you look at, you know, growing your skills, you know, they're becoming the mindful leader, which mm. I think is a good thing, but there's all these buzzwords and it's not like people are confused. <laughs> Mm, I agree. I think that it gets back to being kind to yourself, doesn't it?
1: That is a great point. I do think that. So, for example, I have as a as a coach and in personal development working in that field, I have a lot of friends who are, are crazy into yoga, for example, and they love it. And in fact, many of them have gone on to become teachers and instructors and going on these amazing retreats. And you know what? I don't like yoga. It just doesn't work for me. And so to push myself to sort of keep up with them, it was awful. It was painful. It wasn't where I was feeling most energized and alive. And to to say that you need to do what anyone else is doing, I think, is not being kind to yourself because it's finding what's sort of real and meaningful and powerful for you in in your journey, sort of as you were saying.
0: And I think that when you translate that to when you're talking about your career, or your self-development, whether it be from a professional development or from a personal development, you have to work hard to separate what's important for you and concentrate on those things and try not to be swayed by what's going on around you by other people like John being vice president. You know, I start with him. Why aren't I vice president? Right. That's a hard skill, though, to learn, isn't it? And to be happy with yourself. That's
1: sort of the essence of it, right? It's finding your own pace and your own place and your own development needs and meeting them. It's not running that that bigger race. And it, it's quite hard, right, to let go of that sense that, that you should be pacing it the same way somebody else, your life and your leadership and your career really doesn't exactly mirror anyone else's, even when it feels very similar. It's a really hard sort of lesson to accept is that your story is your own and you're writing it every single day. And it's not really that interesting to, you know, just plagiarize someone else's.
0: And that's why there is no finish line, that you've got to take small steps and, you know, you can't, as you said before, you just can't come in and say, that's it, I'm training for a marathon tomorrow Mm. and all these things that need to happen or I'm going to become the CEO of a a small innovative company that specialises in saving the world. You've got to have realistic things that fit your life and your family and your career aspirations. Absolutely.
1: I think that's what it amounts to. You know, when I think of sort of goals, right, and those aspirations, so everybody likes to throw out smart goals, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. I really like specific, measurable, attainable, resonant meaning meaningful for you and thrilling, something that really brings you alive. And I think that's the kind of goal, that really personal goal is sort of captured by sort of the, just the change in the R and the T in, in a SMART goal.
0: And I think that that's what we see sometimes in ourselves or our friends or our colleagues is that they lose that spark. Mm. And I think that perhaps that's the bigger question about ourselves, whether it be in in our personal life or our professional lives. It's how do we keep that spark kindling inside us so that we're embracing of potential new opportunities or whatever it is that's keeping us interested and alive and fulfilling all our promise.
1: I, I think that's a, a beautiful way to put it, fulfilling all of our promise. So, I write often, and I, I speak and coach about what do you do? What do you do when it you know life feels like a hamster wheel? Right. It's very easy to wake up, go to work, come home, have dinner, spend a little time with your family, go on the internet, go to bed, and start again. And maybe there's a little variety in there once in a while but to keep that spark alive you need to make choices and not only think about it but do them take action on them do what you're afraid to do do what you want to do stop worrying about what everyone else is doing
0: and myth number three it's not a competition for Mm. Mm self-actualization it's you finding that spark and being being what you can be. And that's why these five myths are good because reading them and looking at them, you can incorporate them into lighting or rekindling your flame of promise. Absolutely. And I think
1: hopefully help people go a little bit easier on themselves too, right, that Instead of putting pressure on yourself, that if you fall off the wagon with a habit or you feel competitive with what's happening for someone else in their career or in their life, that you can be kind to yourself. And and when you allow yourself to sort of have some compassion, inward compassion, it, that's when you can actually start to let go of the chip on your shoulder and and really grow.
0: Do you think people have lost the art of being kind to themselves?
1: Ah, what a good question.
0: I think a lot of people probably have. I
1: lived for most of my life in America, right? Where it's a bragging right. You know, what are you up to? Oh, I'm really busy. I'm working 60 hours. I worked 80 hours. And it's constantly pushing to be someone else's view of what success looks like. When you falter, it's like catastrophic, catastrophic, and truly missteps when you falter or fall, it's not catastrophic, but the only way you're going to get back up and, and try again and get back up and, and move forward is with that self kindness. And I think, A lot of people don't have that anymore if they ever did. And I think a lot of it has to do with pressures coming down from the top within organizations as well, the the, the push for immediate results. And if you can't deliver that, you view it as a, many or many people view it as sort of a personal letdown instead of
0: just, it didn't happen. And I've been to some presentations and read some stuff on innovation and how failure is part of that whole innovation cycle. Mm-hmm. And I notice it's been thrown out a lot on social media and blog posts and things like that. But you still don't hear those kind of words in the organisation about, you know, it's okay to fail, it's okay to learn from it and having that whole learning kind of culture. And it goes back to professional careers as well. Not every job is probably going to be a winner for you. Mm-hmm. I know that's pretty pessimistic. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll, I'll
1: tell you a quick story of a loser job for me, which is I was hired as a vice president of people and innovation for a large global organization, was challenged to help some innovation happen within a very old thinking industry and company. We came up with a bunch of different strategies. And we were piloting them and trying them and seeing what was happening. It had multiple pilots going on. And the senior senior leadership CEO, COO said, we needed to go back to doing things the way they knew worked because they needed immediate results. They didn't have time to give us a timeline to have our results lag because we were trying to innovate. The argument was, you can't innovate and have it go perfectly. You need to innovate. You need to see what's working, adjust and go and test and adjust and, you know, do all these iterations and sort of accept that cycle. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know we hired you to do this, but we know how it works. And thanks so much. And in the end, it was just a terrible cultural mismatch. And after about a year and a half, we parted ways. So it was a lesson for me about what I believe about innovation and growth. And what used to happen on the people side to make that happen and the organizational side. And I think it was a lesson for that organization that the buzzword of innovation was very sexy and they hired someone and created a division to sort of innovate as an organization. But by innovating a business process without innovating their culture, the whole thing failed.
0: Yeah. And there's a parallel to the personal development side too, that you can't. You can't expect everyone everyone to be a winner. But we beat ourselves up and say, oh, you know, I'm such a loser for not predicting this or not thinking about that. And sometimes there are a lot of consequences for it, but sometimes you've just got to think, well, you know, it's not a total write-off. I learned A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Yeah that I can take with me to my next job or my next venture into whatever I'm doing. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, every experience, there has to be something that comes out of it, right? Whether it's now I know what never to do again (laughs) or whatever that may be, there's always something to bring forward.
0: So, Ali, your top tip for personal development?
1: My top tip of personal development isn't even in this post. It's, it's really do something that makes you feel alive. For some people, that's going to networking events. For some people, it's going to retreats and conferences. For some people, it's reading books and blogs. But to be doing something, doing something that feeds you and challenges you and stretches your thinking
0: in new and unexpected ways so my top tip, similar it's about really look inside yourself and find that spark of promise if it doesn't already exist beautiful oh thank you it's been such a pleasure talking to you
1: yeah thanks so much it it is a topic I'm passionate about so I, I I appreciate the opportunity
0: And that ends another podcast from Fix My Project Chaos